0: 2022, we're on the precipice of World War III. There's chemical warfare and weather warfare, media manipulation, and hordes of people following the orders of a scientific priesthood elite class. While billionaires send rockets into space, many of us with our feet on the ground see that Ragnarok may be looming on the horizon, and here, making his way. Down the cosmic tree to Midgard to enlighten the fellowship that is the show. A man who has a laboratory in the halls of Valhalla. Odin's alchemy's own Benjamin Balderson joins us on the show today. I'm your host, Mystic Mark. Thank you for being here and enjoy this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast.
1: That gives me a greater understanding the more I take in how the creator, how all of this was put together in the first place. And that makes this whole world perfect and beautiful. I don't like just one side of it. And this is one of the things that I've tried to, I've gotten into these arguments and I tried telling people that this is all, it's the all, the all split and polarized. The all split and polarized, it's still the all it split into a masculine and feminine side but it's still the all so when you start saying one side is evil when you're saying this is the dark side the shadow side the negative side and you start putting this bad connotation onto it which side of gods the bad side which side of the which side of the all is the bad one right i'd like to know Right. What we need to do is, is put energy into our side of it and people need to start actually putting the root power into it because they do build and create what they want. They do put that root into it and make it happen. They don't just sit around and have dreamy ideas. And that's the thing that they did in the 70s is they took things and with the, especially with the where they really pushed the, the drug movement and that's where it really went sideways is, is people stopped doing things. They just turned it into just sitting around getting high and having high ideas. And, and that's, that's just worthless. If you aren't actually putting uh, the pedal to the metal, nothing's happened. doing this on uh the thing and hit record we can chop out whatever and put together little bits but yeah same idea but back to what i was saying hydration isn't water it water does hydrate but it's not water it's not h2o hydra- hydration it's specific specifically your hydrogen level and you're supposed to be 60 percent hydrate uh, hydrogen and the thing is, is like when you look at the way the t- those two elements, the hydrogen and the oxygen work in your body, your body's doing two things. Like you take in food, the first thing that your body needs to do is break that down into the pieces that it can use. And that includes oxygen oxidation of much of these things, including trying to get the carbon out of these components, because it's not like outside where if I'm doing it with a plant or something. When I do it, I do it with fire and the carbon gas is off. When I take the oil out and I put it in my carboy and I let that oil sit and the carboy lets out the carbon, it's just it's got a carbon lock on it. And as the carbon goes in, it's going through the fermentation and letting the carbon out of that out of the alcohol mixture that's got releasing the carbon, but your body doesn't want that kind of thing to go on, Mm. but it's still gonna, so it's gonna still need that oxygen in order to carry those carbon molecules out in order to carry like, even when you look at a battery like silver and even in a gold and silver battery where the silver is the anode and the gold is the cathode that silver is oxidizing as little particles of it breaking apart and the oxygen carries (laughs) apart those components carries out part of those component pieces but then you look on the flip side of it is is now that those component pieces are made available the the bigger harder part is is incorporating that into your body so the hydrogen is what's making that fusion into your system happening and makes or drives that and so that's something most people are severely dehydrated and so that makes that action much harder to happen on top of most of the vitamins people are taking are, are not good vitamins they're not bioavailable they don't have the oil saturation in their body to take it in like when you even when you're a lot of reason that a lot of vegans and vegetarians don't get the minerals that they need out of the plants is there isn't enough oil to carry all those minerals your body your body breaks it down you need the oil to carry it So they need, so like I'm myself, I'm a vegetarian, but we go through butter. Like you wouldn't believe we go through cheese. Like you wouldn't believe milk, heavy cream milk. Like we don't drink no skim milk, no watery milk. I mean, nice. What's the point? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What is the point? Like, yeah, it's nasty. And you're in the milk fat is what's making these transfers available. Similar to like the DMSO where that's making that that transfer from the outside through your skin available the fats making the transfer of these uh, minerals available just like you wouldn't just eat kool-aid powder you wouldn't you want the water to make it into a, a dissolve it into a solvent and then you put that in there I mean, some people are kind of crazy and we tooly powder it. Right <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, it's called stubs. a pixie <laughs> stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, little baby crack. Yeah, you know, uh, that's exactly. Um, but most people wouldn't do that, so you want to get it into a nice solvent, and then that's going to make it so it's able to be taken into your body. Because here's the other thing: if you just started dumping enough, pot, let's say uh, enough kool-aid powder or whatever to make a gallon into your mouth you'll notice your mouth immediately goes dry and you can't you can't absorb it or like there was that whole cinnamon thing going around on the internet a few years ago where it's you don't have enough solvent to in your mouth to break that down and make it digestible for you and make it so you can intake it and that's what the the liquid's doing is dissolving that and making it so you can do that. You only naturally have so much solvent power power in your saliva. And obviously that doesn't pan out, you know, so you want something that's going to dissolve it. It's all about being able to transfer this energy. And once you start really start breaking that down, you start un- understanding there's a few things that got to happen with energy. You know, you've got to have a negative, you got to have a positive, and you got to have a channel in between, <laughs> you know. You need this polarization and And that's one of the things that I end up fighting a whole lot uh, with because in all the uh lot of the new age things, all all your love and light, all your things like that, they all really are hard on polarization. And without polarization, you don't have life. You don't have energy.
0: Let's get um, into that a little further. and and thank you, ben, for for explaining some of the ins and outs of alchemy, because for those who maybe thought they were getting a chemistry lesson there, that's like some pretty deep stuff. It it connects to alchemy, it connects to practical alchemy, and I think where you just connected the dots, we should maybe elaborate a little bit on in case anyone missed that, because I agree with you 100%. There is a sort of emphasis on positive thinking to an ad nauseum point where you almost become ungrounded, you become disconnected with the actual source. Cause as you put it, you you cannot separate the way energy happens. You know, it's just fundamental to how energy functions, that there's a positive and negative and a transference. Is that the third part that you mentioned in the right? So exactly. So let's get into that a little further. Where exactly? Cause I agree. I think the new age community, you know, they put too much emphasis on positivity and, and I think shadow work has become sort of, uh, maybe the, the name for like working on your negative side, but even that has like an emphasis on, okay, you get your shadow work done and then it's over and you're just positive for the yes. rest of your life. But but it, that's
1: like a phase. <laughs> that's a phase you go through and get it out of your system. And, and most of them, when they say that that just means that they have the freedom to act like a cunt for a little while <laughs> and, and be real shitty to other people and then then that's not what i, I actually don't even like the term shadow work because of it cuz it it always puts this negative connotation onto it yeah. and uh, the, the funny thing is is and here's where it gets really deep with the occult is is and everybody and here's where you find out where people stand is when you realize there is no such thing as good and evil. And from an energy standpoint, the, the negative side, the positive side doesn't flow without the negative side. And without the mercury in between, the entire energy system can't flow at all. You got an anode, a cathode, and then you've got electrolytic fluid, mercury in between the two that allows this transfer of energy to happen. And the funny thing about it is, is while this is happening, when you look at a basic galvinic cell, a uh, photovoltaic cell, which might sit well with a well, lot better with people or a voltaic cell, which might sit better with people because you got your photovoltaic cells, things like that. Understanding that this is also happening with the sun. We're having this transfer. But you have an anode, which is a negative terminal, a cathode, which is a positive terminal, and then you have an electrolytic fluid in between that allows this transfer to happen. Well, now when it's in this galvinic cycle and it's going through a biochemical exchange, what happens is, is the silver, like let's say that the anode is silver and the cathode is gold, but this can work in any number of metals. The big key is, is that the, the cathode, needs to be more stable than the anode because while the biochemical exchange is happening the an or the anode itself is going to break down and it's going to send all and little particles of it are going to break apart and make this little fission and you're going to get a little fission reaction out of that a little charge and part of that charge is going to go over and shoot the negative side of it or the masculine side of this singular particle, the negative side is going to make a B line just directly over to that cathode and immediately embed itself into the cathode. Now the the positive side of it is going to attach to the, to the um, solution. And then it's going to carry itself in the solution. Now, because this other side of the particle has charged the cathode. This creates a uh, uh, electrical imbalance where there wasn't one before. Well, now that imbalance wants that positive part in order to resolve itself, in order to become balanced again. So now that's what causes that positive side to kind of be pulled and it just gets pulled toward that cathode and it drifts its way over to the cathode. Well, when it reaches there, that's where it's going to fuse back with the other side again. And so this article that was the anode as silver now literally becomes the gold of the cathode. And is, there's a transmutation that happens and this becomes another metal and becomes the actual cathode itself. On the flip side of this, when the battery obviously is going to become deplete at some point, So on the flip side of this cycle, you have an electrolysis cycle. Now, electrolysis means that uh, we're putting energy into the battery rather than taking energy out of the battery. Uh, The energy was wearing away during the uh, galvanic cycle. During the electrolysis cycle, it's going to actually gain energy. But when that gain happens, what's going to happen is you're going to throw energy into the cathode. And then the cathode itself is actually going to break apart through the electrolysis and go over. And that entire system is going to be completely reversed. And the gold is now going to become the silver. And that anode is literally going to become bigger and take on the um, gold and make it into silver. So gold is now descending. And if you extend that out, that extends all the way out to lead. So when you start taking in that understanding, you understand that the positive side and the negative side were always the same thing. They were always the same. Gold will descend into silver and will descend into the other less valuable metals. That's all that is, is just a rearranging. And when you start looking then at, instead of looking at your inert metals, when you start looking at radioactive metals, anybody that wants to look this up, just look up decay chain of uranium. And all you notice is, is that a couple little electrons drift away and all of a sudden it becomes something different. A couple little, maybe it might gain a, a neutron and all of a sudden it becomes, all of a sudden it takes on more charge and it moves up in the chain. So like thorium, eh, when you look up thorium, thorium is used with other metals and it'll turn, it'll then because it'll add neutrons into it, it'll take on, then it'll, is able to be enriched with more electrons. And then all of a sudden it starts jumping up the chain. And like bismuth, bismuth ends up at the end of almost all of them. And most people know bismuth, cute, cool little crystal, blah, blah, blah. That's the, that's basically the inert uh, version that ends up at the end of almost every decay chain. It's very interesting. Um, And it's it's always in there.
0: I just want to point that out for folks who, who haven't maybe seen bismuth. I'm going to include a picture of it somehow, either in the episode artwork or in the description of the show but this stuff looks strange. I mean, it's it's one of the few crystals that almost looks like, and I'm not gonna like, I mean, it's kind of bi- like sci-fi. Like, I don't know, maybe you don't share this, but it looks very sci-fi, it's got like straight 90 degree angles, kind of like fractals on each other. Square yeah, square, really weirdly
1: square. square, which is not uh, a very, that's an odd shape in the crystalline world. Well,
0: and yeah, in yeah, the crystalline not. world and in the natural world, you don't really see many yeah. things forming those right angles like that. So to, to right. know that it, it's kind of like a precursor or maybe like a, a last result of this process is very interesting. Where Where that's the most inert. Mm. So that's on the inert side or the
1: negative side, which is gonna draw that uh, positive side. And so that's the one that can take in the most electrons mm, and, okay. and and then become and, and see now when you start looking at all these stories, okay? So like where the ones that are chained in hell, that's bismuth bismuth is chained it cannot move the energy that it has it's still this thing it just doesn't have the electrons the charge the 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 sulfur power and so once the sulfur goes into that it enlivens it And that's what we're talking about with uranium at the very end of the process. But it also needs that thorium in the middle in order to make that transition happen where the neutrons are making that transition and the whole thing happen. So when you're looking at this alchemically, instead of under a microscope and in a place where most people can understand it at, you understand that as an alchemist, I break down these plants into their component pieces, which is going to be the salt and then the oil, which has the sulfur riding into it. And what the job of this, the great work is, is to take this oil. The oil opens up the salt and then the sulfur enlivens the salt. So whenever you're talking about that, that's they're freeing the souls of these imprisoned beings. When you're looking at the tarot as it's going through its progression, about halfway through the progression, you have like angel wings, you have like all this upper body stuff, but the legs are either the legs are either... It's not there and it's just a block of stone and only an upper body or the feeder encased in stone of some type. So this is the progression through the great work and they haven't went down and enlivened that stone and freed the thing out of the stone that was in there. Um, is what we're talking about, and that's just a, a beautiful metaphor for understanding uh, this transition, where the the transition has to happen through the mercury and the sulfur, then enlivens the salt, and this whole thing is is the is the stone of whatever it is that you're working on, and.
0: Uh, well sure Esher if we went sideways. No, that. no, we did not go <laughs> sideways. I'm just over here, like, all right, which thread are we gonna follow next? Because I think, you know, Ben, you're clearly an expert at this and I appreciate you sharing the process, but wow. I think it's really important wow. for people to understand not just that this is a metaphor for consciousness and for, you know, the development or the inner work, but that it, it's quite literally like the original. Metaphor, At least in my mind, because it connects inextricably to how we were created, how everything was created. And I think that's where this alchemy gets such a grand significance is because when you start to really understand what's at play here. You realize that you're playing with the actual pieces of the universe, the, the sort of building blocks and, and you are not separate in that equation. The building blocks, as you play with them in front of you, they're also changing on the inside. Hence the kind of foray into this, which was like, why is the new age world kind of pushing us to be positive, positive, positive when, if you look at the way energy flows in a microcosm, you see that, and in the macrocosm, you see that there's this exchange, there's this process, and the new age psychology doesn't fit with that process. So it's not going to yield the results that they're purporting.
1: Exactly, yep, That that is where we started with it. So <laughs> and when you understand, gain all that understanding that I just explained, you understand that the 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 negative side was not evil it wasn't bad it was needed the positive side not evil the two are always opposed they have to be in the in the heathen cosmology we have the tree of life and in the tree of life there which is yggdrasil there is a little character named ratatusker now this is a squirrel and this squirrel runs between the very top of the tree And he talks shit at the top of the tree, runs down to the bottom of the tree tree into the roots and talks shit. And between the top and the bottom the whole time, because that polarity is needed to be maintained. If you don't have polarity, you don't have energy, you don't have power, you don't have life. And so there's a character in there that keeps that polarity going. And again, and that's why I went into the, the galvanic cell is, is, a higher understanding of that is then that this energy that I put into the system, the energy in it itself broke down into these component metals and made different metals. So you literally saw a dissension of just pure energy into the in a go into the gold and becomes made the gold become silver and keep dropping down into these other metals, but then on the reverse biochemical side, they suck right back up into it. It's all just energy, pure energy in the way energy moves. And we all know matter is just energy descended. We know that. And we don't incorporate it into our thinking and into our understandings. We don't incorporate that into our lives. We still hold this very solar, very just cathodic side, understanding with the way we do things something that the abrahamics were really about and they push that where they've got the the god and god is like the the cathode and anything that's not the cathode is evil, and the it's it's just horrible understanding of the way things work And that's carried over into so many other communities where, where even when, like you said, even when they do incorporate what they call the shadow side, it's just something you go and do and hang out in for a minute and try and dispose of. And uh, then move on to the positive side. And as an alchemist, when I'm trying to say, even as trying to put a plant through the great work, I don't just make it ascend. I don't just throw the whole plant in the fire and make the whole thing ascend. What good (laughs) Stop. <laughs> what good does that do me? Sorry. That's all uh, right. Bibbles. <laughs> uh, so uh what good does that do me just to ascend? It doesn't. It's it, that's very, very little use on the flip side, where if I take and I ascend everything and then I descend the salt and get the salt to its purest, purest and then I get the energy to its purest, and then I put them back together, cutting out all that middle ground. Well, now we have something. Now we've gotten somewhere. So I'm not just trying to ascend. I'm trying to completely descend also. And then I'm trying to make the two meet in the middle and be both of them at the same time. That's the whole deal. You can't, you can only, and this is where like even Young says it, and I'm not even a Young fan, but he says, You know, you can only reach the heavens if your roots reach to hell. That is the very energetic understanding. I cannot take in more positive without more negative. I can't do it. The the two things have got to balance out to a zero point. And so the, and this was part of why when you see like an alchemist, as an alchemist, you tend to not being overly, you know, I'm usually kind of chipper, but I'm not like, like some of these people that are just bubbling and, and, you know, like walk around just like, but those same people that are so perky and bubbly and just everything's just great all the time. They also then get ultra depressed, you know, because the pendulum swings gotta happen. whatever the the pendulum swing to the right is it's going to be the pendulum swing to the left when it balances itself back out the two things have got to balance and so if you want and that's an extremely powerful swing now part of why i don't do that is i don't want to be subject to all that so i try to mitigate as much of that swing as possible and so i just kind of keep myself at this just kind of nice you know everything's
0: cool I'm good. Everything's well, And it's almost like stoicism, which you see curiously come out of similar areas, at least geographically, where a lot of people were practicing alchemy. Earlier, they were heathen cosmology, you know, before the church came and beat them all out of, you know, the public eye, at least. But you see this kind of stoic movement coming from Northern Europe, which is where they're practicing this, right? I don't know, I'm not gonna say I know there's a connection there, but it feels like what you're saying uh, comes from that application of that knowledge, like realizing that the pendulum swing is not going to keep you on a steady course. Yeah, it's maybe it's gonna be exciting, but it's not going to keep you on a steady course. And and you you do have to balance, you know, and and slow that sway. I I, I agree with that one hundred percent. As a martial artist, I realized that uh, really early on that my emotions were not my friend. And when I got emotional in sparring matches, my technique my patience, you know, my ability to kind of see what was happening in that moment all just went away and I would, you know, get beat up even harder, right? And I had a, yeah. <laughs> I had a mean teacher. He's a nice dude, but when he was sparring, like he was mean, you know, and people go back and listen to episode 94. I had him on the show. You know, he's a real calm, cool dude, but like you get him, you know, in a one-on-one he's intense but it it never went to the point of anger it was it was power you know it was it was steady power so i love it i and exactly. i think it's important to to lay out in that way through the alchemical perspective because people hear microcosm macrocosm but this is how it applies to us
1: exactly and and with, the more you use these concepts in your life the easier life gets and the, and the more magical the world gets. It's, it's absolutely amazing, which again, when you see this heavy push to just the cathodic side, it just reminds me of Christianity and in, in, in a very extreme way and just the Abrahamic face altogether. And then when they talk about the rapture, the only way I could possibly think of the rapture, it's very interesting because they always talk in their books. Also, they talk about Goyim a lot and they're soulless. So the soul, obviously, when you're talking about it, the mercurial figures are always the champion of the soul, the psychopomp type thing where they lead the soul to its place. Well, when you look at it, the only piece of the equation that breaks off into the mercurial fluid is that positive side. The negative side took a direct route over to the cathode. So just the positive side broke off and floats around in this fluid and then needs the mercury or that oxygen and then hydrogen in the equation that I explained to take it back over and fuse it back where it needs to go on the other side with the cathode. Hence the messenger symbology, right? Right, right. Because the mercury that makes this transfer of energy happen, which is part of why that's his whole staff. When you look at them, the mercury staff, that all you're seeing is the way energy is moving and the transfer of energy. And that's the way mercury sits, because the way when you look at it, it's a cross. And so the cross is you got your cross and your cerebrum and your cerebellum are the first things that need to connect when you're developing as a human being get Your cerebrum and your, you get, you start out is just this energy point. Your your top that descends down into a cerebrum and a cerebellum, which, you know, bellum means war. So it's cerebrum and then cerebrum again, only bellum, which is at war. So two cerebrums at war with each other. So basically, you know, and so one's a positive, one's a negative, you know, and so, but in order for the energy transfer to happen. We need this mercurial fluid. So the mercurial fluid now has went like this, like this, and now it descends along your spine, goes down to the actual negative spot. Because after you resolve the cerebrum and cerebellum, and that becomes just the brain as a microcosm, we still need the whole macrocosm of the entire body. So now the brain becomes the cathode and your root becomes your anode. And so now that transfer needs to happen and that goes through your spine. And again, we have just the positive and negative energies that are flowing both ways. That's why you have the two snakes that are doing this. The mercurial fluid in and of itself uh, rectifies. And that's part of why it's getting smaller as it does that. in that sine wave type looking thing. And that's a rectification of the energy. and, And that's something that mercury just does. And part of that is like, when even when you look at water, when you take a bowl of water and scream at it you can literally see the sound waves being picked up by the water the water's acting as material fluid now if you have salt in that water mixture that energy is going to go through the mercury into the salt now the salt's going to remember that whole fucking deal you know it's all just always works the same damn way it's all just having this understanding of how energy works Right. And we have examples of it in in the world. Just most people don't care don't pay any attention. I mean, even something as simple as a toaster, like you, you see people, they walk around asking people how toaster to work and most people have no idea. And it's just a resistor. You know, it's a bad resistor. (laughs) You're getting a lot of resistance that's throwing out heat as energy. um, because that energy, because it's not passing through very well because it's got too much resistance, it instead transforms itself and gives off as heat. And same, same, but just understanding just understanding how energy works that gives you so many of these answers to how things are. And then again, and this is something you learn as an alchemist. Is taking these old stories and changing the uh, equation a little, changing the names, because understanding that these names were put there on purpose to make the story memorable. So like when you're talking about like anybody can anybody can look up uh, the story of the net and uh, it's the Greek. It's the Greek story where uh, Vulcan comes home, finds, his, finds Aries uh, or Mars. Uh, Having a affair with Venus, his wife, and so he there's this entire sequence of events. Basically, all we're talking about is an al- how to make an alloy. So because there needs to be a decarbation in order for this most salt piece and for this most oily piece to go together in a complete perfect bond. The carbon needs to be taken out of the equation. That's right now, in all your living beings, that carbon's there. And that's what's they're creating the life, but it's also what's creating the ohms and at the same time. So until we figure out how to put this back together after this polarization it, in a perfect union, The carbon is doing that job for us in a real shitty way. And, uh, you know, that's why you always have to sacrifice that ego body in order to become the, to achieve the great work. Because that carbon, the cellular material and the water that are here holding the salt and the oil or salt and the sulfur together is uh, what's allowing this exchange to happen in a dirty way. And we need to get rid of that, get down to the purities of it, and allow this exchange to happen in a pure way. That's what you're trying to do as an alchemist. And again, this requires getting the carbon out of there. Well, in order for iron and copper to merge into a new alloy, which is called the net, this decarbonization process has to happen where it drops out these bound car- carbon pieces out of the molecule. And now because that carbon was filling in this void, Because carbon's really good at doing that, filling that little void in. And now that that carbon's gone, though, there's a void. And so this is able to now grab on to this other piece and use this other piece as the fill in rather than the carbon. And now, instead of just being a mixture, which if I don't heat it up enough to decarbulate it, it's just going to, the two metals are just going to mix together and easily separate again. Now, because part of that molecular structure has been removed, it now bonds with this other metal in a different way. And now they become one piece, now they're an alloy rather than just a mixture of metals and the same thing is going on in your body like take uh ever most people think that you use glucose and that you live off of glucose but that's not true glucose still has car still has carbon attached in the molecules and so your body needs to decarbolate the glucose in order to turn it into atp and ATP is basically your pure sulfur energy and your body's able to use that but you've got to get rid of that carbon molecule in there in order for it to be able to attach correctly into your body and it's under again understanding all those things and as an alchemist this is what we're doing the entire time is is figuring that out working with that doing that every day in the lab even even as a you know, most of your people, most people in the community uh, in, use cannabis. You can't just walk out and grab cannabis off the plant and eat it, chow it down and It won't do anything for you because the THC molecule needs to be decarbolated. And most of us know, most of your campus users know, then you cook it in some butter or whatever for, you know, 10 minutes at 180 degrees and you get them What you're doing is, is getting that carbon molecule to knock out of the THC. So now that carbon molecule has an energetic void and that energetic void is able to attach on to your uh, receptors that also are having this energetic void, and the two get together and make a happy little union, and then you know if you have a good time. No,
0: start feeling better. I, and I remember you broke this process down for us the first time you were here. Thanks for coming back for a second time on the show. And I'm wondering, you know, on the esoteric level, it seems that you know very obviously this is a science, this is an arcane science. And I'm wondering, you know, you see alchemy very paired with the use of cannabis, but not just cannabis, other entheogens. What can we say about the actual process other than obviously the THC binding to the receptors, but what is going on maybe in an occult sense in the mind when someone you know gets high because i think we kind of you know popularly or commonly just think of it as a recreational thing or or maybe even a healing thing but in my case ben like i really don't think i would be this far into all of these subjects if i never had the opportunity to smoke and you know maybe that's because i was programmed and this helped me deprogram or whatever i'm just wondering you know how to the best of your knowledge, what have you found to uh, that esoteric assault so, angle? So, when with cannabis, when I take and
1: look at can- the cannabis plant, the can- cannabis plant is an extraordinarily feminine plant. It is so feminine. Now, there's a lot of confusion in the world on what plants are uh, feminine and what ones are masculine. And I haven't found any books that are particularly great about it now as from, so from my point of view, as an alchemist, when a plant puts out a whole ton of oil compared to the rest of the plant, that is going to be a feminine plant. If the plant is very salty and very little oil, that is going to be a masculine plant. And that's how you look at it. So the and then in between is just the carbon body, which is basically the zero point. Now, <clears throat> cannabis in and of itself is extraordinarily feminine. So depending on the cannabis the strain, how well it was grown, how well it was picked, you know, what time it was picked, what kind of details the grower put into it, which if you're trying to do your own, you should be growing yourself. So you should be. Harvesting at the exact right time, harvesting it before the sun hits it and making sure you maximize your oil and keep as much oil in the plant as possible. And in those conditions, a cannabis plant, you can get 30 to 40 in between 30 and 40 percent oil production out of the plant in an overall weight. That doesn't include the water weight, that doesn't include the c- carbon weight and the cellular material weight, which is the majority, which is the majority of most living things. This plant is containing, you know, in between 30 and 40% oil. That's it. That's insane. When you start looking at it. Now, uh, that means it's extremely feminine. Now, then when I look at the uses of it, now, like you said, oh, uh, you're a man and I'm also a man. Now men tend to be on the negative side. We are the structure we are. So when you look at that story, we represent more of the chained soul, the, the, the structure, the stability and the feminine side is more of the sulfur side, the chaos and the chaos comes and frees the, the, the chained one and energize it and then blah, blah. So, uh, We tend to be more stable, more structured, more straight line. What now when you put a whole bunch of cannabis in board, now your mind will tend to go places it would not have went. Things that I wouldn't have given a shit about because, because I'm a man, I think, I think very much about the mechanics of things. How does it work? Beeline. What's the, what's the quickest point between point a and point b you know uh, i don't really care about anything else now my wife my wife's gonna stop by she's gonna watch. she's gonna stop 12 times on the way home and i'm gonna wonder why it took her six hours to go to the town to get uh gas which should have taken her two and somehow it takes her six because she stopped 12 times and went off for twenty minutes, veering off the road and meandering around, looking at different mushrooms growing, things like that, and then, but you know, which irritates me. And then all of a sudden, she comes home and she has all these cool ass mushrooms. Like, wow, where did you find this? You know, and and, and th- that feminine expression now, you know, adds to your world. Well, with cannabis, it's the same thing. Where I would have normally just taking a beeline A to B, you know, I'm going to build this building. That's all I care about. I'm going to square it off. I'm going to put them together. I'm going to make wall, wall, wall. You know, and Christie's over here trying to make dream up all these fancy little ideas that are going to make things work better, or make things more comfortable, or make things neat. And those are the type of things you do care about when you start using cannabis. You stop being so beeline, so straight as a as a man, and you do stop and smell the roses a little bit. You you don't know, stop and huh? Well, let me think about that for a minute. You don't you don't just pound the nail, you know, you, you stop and you think about things a little bit and you have that deeper thought. And if you're somebody that's into higher thinking, well, then that frees up Your higher thinking also, and you start having more higher philosophical thoughts. Now, the the key to the whole thing is, is, and this is where so many people are missing it, and where you get this love and community is, is you can't get the fruit of philosophy without the root of the lab. That's a fact. So all them high ideas and all those higher understandings, if you can't root them, in the natural world, they are just your fucking imagination. You're just having stoner thoughts and that's fine. You know, it's a good time sometimes. And, and and when you're having higher thoughts, some of them are gonna be right, some of them aren't, some of them are just gonna be nonsense. When you start look, taking this into the construction world and where people are gonna understand it more, we all know engineers are some dreamy motherfuckers. They, you know, half of what they think does not work in the world at all. You're like, dude, have you ever went outside your computer? I understand in your computer model, this worked, but come out here with me. This is the world. Uh Say hi to it. And, you know, but on the same token, without those engineers, we would all still be living in the exact same style, basically, that carpenters built 200 years ago. And, you know, there would be no alterations. There would be nobody that's, like, trying to come up with these higher ideas. There would just be extraordinarily root, stable, steady, whip it out, you know, on the flip side of, like, an engineer or a really fine architect. On the flip side, you have track housing, where it's just a garbage piece of shit house that they can throw 53 of them together in a freaking week. They're all exactly the damn same. They look the damn same, you know, exact fl- opposite of that thing you know and and while we don't necessarily need to live in uh carnegie hall or or, or Taj Mahal hall or something like that where it's all insane uh, we also don't need to live in track housing either most of us should find like a balance in between you know start
0: having and that's what it's all about and that's yeah. what i'm hearing this whole they, time that balance you know and this cycle the ever you know changing kind of battle which isn't really a battle in the sense of somebody is wrong or somebody needs to be stopped, because what you realize is, is this is the action that creates all, you know, change, you know, through change, good things and bad things happen. It's up to us as this sort of creative element to maybe direct that in a better direction. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, we're kind of touching on the free will question now, but I love how you broke down. Cannabis. I never really understood it that deeply. I knew people said it's a feminine plant, but like you said, there's sort of a superficial understanding of what that really means. So thank you for elaborating on that.
1: Absolutely. And and when you look at the other ethnogenic plants, you you look at the same things. Now, mushrooms on the flip side are a very masculine plant. You get almost no oil out of a mushroom. Extraordinarily masculine, you're gonna have very much more rooty type visions you're not quite so you're not quite so having these dreamy thoughts and things you're more into looking at the world and interacting with the world and seeing what it's doing and wow you know you uh a lot of people report talking to like uh, fairies and you know different having visions and different uh, more of like woodland creatures things like that like when you as soon as you eat mushrooms that's one of the things that you definitely want to go do it's like most people that eat mushrooms want to go hang out in the woods go hang out at the river you know they don't they don't want to do the same things that people that are just strictly stoned want to do Who a lot of times they don't necessarily want to go put in that kind of activity yes, some do you know i'm not saying everybody but uh a lot of times they don't you know your typical stoner and your typical mushroom person like i said they're out running around in the woods just all earthy about it very rude so it's it's understanding that each of these things is going to have. Uh, a different effect and you're going to kind of get different aspects of the of nature out of it and kind of open up different sides to yourself and as far as I'm concerned like there's nothing wrong with any of it but if you're trying to become uh, something greater than what you are now you can't strict re- strictly rely on that. They're they're going to show you that something's there because we're set at this zero point. So if you say, let's take, you take in a bunch of cannabis and all of a sudden you're kind of at a plus one because you've kind of changed, altered yourself, altered your vibration, altered your energetic level. You've kind of now become a plus one and you're kind of viewing the world from a plus one perspective. and And... On the flip side, I put some mushrooms on board, and now I'm a negative one. And I'm kind of viewing the world from a negative one perspective and the things that come along with that. And so and that's all good, good and fine. But understand that even without the drugs, that these things both exist, that that these higher thoughts are still there, these higher things that you were experiencing, that's still there even without the cannabis on board the same thing with the negative level they're still there you know even without the mushrooms on board or whatever your chosen alteration vehicle is that's still going to be there you just aren't accessing it from this zero point but you are capable of it you are capable of being that plus one a plus two a plus three and that's what we're talking about alchemically is there's always three levels above and three levels below and you collapse them back into the zero like and so you're capable of being that you're capable of having access to all that plus 1 and capable of having access to everything that's minus 1 at the same time and bringing them both to this zero level and having control of all of it at the same time but holy shit you've got to be an entirely different person cuz you know Look at the way some of these people act when they go, when they do any of these drugs and they lose their shit, you know, could you imagine having access to all of that at once and even to higher levels? Because these drugs are just giving you a sneak peek of, of the things that you could be experiencing and could be dealing with and are capable of. They're just a sneak peek of it. Uh, You can be peeling back layers that are much more extreme and having access to all of that at once. And imagine this is what you're talking about with these with these beings that had so much power. That's because they were completely polarized to both the negative and positive and had access to all of it and brought it all back to here at once. We're talking about, you know, like when the Odin story where Odin doesn't just open up his third eye, his high eye, he throws it down the well. He hangs on Yggdrasil. He goes to both the high extreme and he goes down to the low extreme and brings them both together. And when he's hanging on Yggdrasil in order for him to become the all father, for him to have all the wisdom and all the knowledge, right? there, There's a very distinct difference between the two things and that wisdom comes in your salt the structure the memory the salt power and there's so much you can only watching one cycle of something only gives you so much information when you have a thousand cycles of this land that you've lived on and you access all of that everything becomes very simple
0: <laughs> yeah man and that rooting in the real you called it you know, you have to be rooted in the lab, right? And I think it's important to to maybe share that you don't have to be an alchemist to practically to practice this in your life. I mean, if you're doing something where you're giving to others, you're creating something, this is, I don't know, in my mind, a way you can tap into this, right? I mean, would you agree with that? How can people who maybe say like work at a bank or like a gas station or something, take these things and and practice them in their lives obviously their job might create that but they might need to you know start growing or get a a deeper connection with the land right you see that that unless you start just practicing at least simple
1: alchemy it's it's having that then once you have that firm grasp of it like when i explain it then you're able to carry it over metaphorically to other mm. things and say, "Oh, well, it's like this, and you're you're now creating a metaphor off of an understanding. And that understanding doesn't happen without the lab. so and and I'm not saying that you need to have a uh, uh, hundred thousand dollars in lab equipment or even a four thousand dollars quick dist- distillation setup or something. But the fact is, is people have been practicing alchemy in in at least uh, some form. For thousands of years, and that's all people, just the basic fermentation of fruits and and grains and things like that. And understanding that and the distillation of these things, this is all the alchemical process. So they didn't put the salt back in. That's your bitch. You know, and how do you know they didn't put the salt back in? Like they kept a lot of we don't even know what they did. You don't know that they didn't put the salt back in. They had a higher understanding. And then look at the plant medicine people who were making these plant medicines, which had so much more efficacy. Let's talk about that. Now, again, with this love and light community and with this wanting this very sulfur side to Everybody move to the sulfur positive side, you know, get rid of that negative side. Well, we see that even in our plant medicine where it's so highly popular to have essential oils and essential oils are just like the plant, but better. And it's an, and it's an extract. It's more purified. No, it's not. It's half the equation. You've taken out the entire salt side. So you've got, so you now you've got no punch. You You've got something that's going to open the path up and no, and nothing to fill it. Like that doesn't even make sense. You've you've only got half the equation. This isn't how, I don't imagine this is how your old plant healers worked either. So if you only have half the equation, it's not going to work. And they wonder why they run around touting plant medicine and then essential oils and things. And yeah, they do work on some, in some instances, and they're definitely helpful. I'm not completely shitting on them. But if you went through the full alchemical process and made each one of these things into the stone. The efficacy is multiplied just insanely. And now you're really getting the benefit. Now you've got the amperage and the voltage and you've got the current that's going to flow in between because you've got both of these things. And so it's understanding the need for all of these component pieces. So your old plant healers were also practicing alchemy, alchemy while they were making their different tinctures and their different uh, things like that. These were actual, they were actually practicing lab work. And this is where the philosophy comes from is the reason I'm able to break it down so well and make it so easily understandable is because I've spent literally more hours in the lab than most people do at their job every week, every week. I watch these things happen. This is part of why I have such extreme faith And people. A lot of times, especially when I say things like there's no good and evil, people think, oh, well, then then you just have no reason you don't have a God, you don't have everything. Oh, that's just nonsense. Just because you can't get to these higher understandings and you needed somebody to write down the rules for you doesn't mean I did. I can I cannot have I can I can say there's not good, and not evil and still know that it's not. Uh, that it's not a positive overall net thing for me to go around and kill other people around me or me to do these things that are harming other people doing a net negative. I can still do equations. I can, I still have the human experience. I still live here also. Like I, but I, so I don't need to know that it sucks when somebody steals from you or kills or, or does, you know, hurts you. I, I understand. Right. I don't need, a rule book to get to get me there, and I don't need the entire good and evil paradigm uh, and cho- to choose a side in. It. Because I'm Mercury, I'm a mercurial being. I'm at the zero point, but I need both of these sides, and I have the higher understanding that I do need both of these sides. That if if I have just the positive anode and I have nothing to ground it to, the energy won't flow. It doesn't do any good. It's nothing. And and I understand that if I invented the cure for cancer today and took the highest, most etheric thing was just the thought. The thought is the most etheric, energetic thing. And as opposed to the root where it's the actual production of the component, the component pieces, and then I put them together in a production of uh, actual cure for cancer, nobody gives a shit about the thought. Nobody gives a shit about the component pieces. They only care about when you put them together and you actually can do what it's at.
0: Like that's, you got to have both sides. That's the only thing it has meaning. I don't think my family would think I was crazy if I had that much, that much of a process. And I appreciate you breaking it down that way. Cause I think that's exactly it, man. It's, it's, you know, and that might even be why the you know, embargo against plant medicines is the way it is. It's not so much that they're banning them all together, save for maybe like cannabis and, you know, up until recently, some of the more deeper ones, but you know, they kind of just let you play around with the plant medicine, like, oh yeah, they're not gonna figure out how to actually use it anyways. And then you see they're probably putting this stuff uh together in that way in their laboratories in the Pharmacia big Pharmacia right you know they're putting together all these cocktails and i'm sure there's an aspect of alchemy that plays into there maybe it's just all corporate commercialism too at play but i think there's a there's definitely i mean again not trying to play into that good and evil model cuz i agree with you but it seems like there is something going on with big pharmacy where, you know, alchemy is at play and the ignorance is of the average person is why it's able to operate the way it does.
1: Now, I'm not going to say I don't like them and I don't think they're dickheads because I do and I don't like them. But so let's say tomorrow you invent some really cool invention. What are you going to want to do? you're going to most likely, you know, most people are, are unlike, like say George Weisman who just starts giving out or has, you could just download the instructions and build it your damn self. Most people are going to go patent it and he doesn't have a patent. 99.9% of people patent it and then try to get as much money out of the deal as they can. Plant medicine is not, is not patentable. You can't patent the plant medicine, but you can derive the, chemical components slightly alter it so it because of the through this process this alteration it's slightly different whenever you look at these patented chemicals they're all derived uh, or ba- or based off of a real chemical and they all they've done is done things like just like i was talking about with that decay chain with uranium understanding you can make freaking radon into radium into whatever you want Like as soon as you start understanding that moving of the electrons and the neutrons, as soon as you understand these breaking of the molecules and putting them back together, well, they just have a very slightly different arrangement. Like there's an entire difference between like as an extractor where you're doing a whole lot of extracting, butane is one of your more common extraction medium or uh, solvents. And there's an entire difference between like a 70-30 like if you're running, if you're talking about one of these large extraction uh, labs that are doing like chromatography and inline uh, CRC, things like that, shit, I got
0: lost. I started thinking about the lab, big labs. Sorry, I got all me um, That's all right. That's all right. That you was, were, you're kind of getting at how the pharma big pharmacy patents these medicines oh, out of plants by just doing, you know, sort of lab trickery. Exactly.
1: You know, but if they're just taken, and it's just a slightly changed molecule. It'll be very similar to the natural molecule, and just be as oh yeah, that's why I was talking about butane because like there's an entire difference between uh, like a seventy thirty i and a seventy thirty n. You know where and all that is is the molecular configuration it's still there's still butane it's a butane protein propane mix which is just what most of those big labs use because you need propane in there because butane is horribly unstable so if you're trying to recapture your solvent it doesn't work with just butane worth a shit but then when you're looking at the that there's a difference between the way the molecule is with an n configuration or an i configuration and the n configuration the molecules will also bind together tighter. So if you're using the N, you're going to get a much tighter molecular bond in the actual solvent itself. The eye is kind of a bit looser. But then if you're looking at it when you're looking at the product, excuse me, in and of itself, depending on what you want to draw out of the, out of the product, because no matter what the biomass plant material is, each of these biomass has different things in like anytime you're doing extraction you don't really want the most the time you aren't going to really want the chlorophyll in there you don't really want the fats and lipids in there there's different components in there that depending on what solvent you use they'll either bind to that solvent not bind to that solvent you know you, you you start mixing and matching things like if you do end up with chlorophyll in there then you put some water in there and the chlorophyll binds to the water and the oil bind to pentane so you do pentane because pentane won't break down the chlorophyll whereas like hexane or is it eh, heptane anyways (laughs) uh, i'm not gonna get too heavy into the chemistry talk It's all all right there's a lot
0: to keep track (laughs) of there
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah and i'm real foggy this week uh i got poison Oh. Like uh worse than I ever have in my life. My whole face is swollen, my ears are swollen, and I was on chance to show the other day, and I looked like I had a black eye, or I was gonna get one because this was so swollen up here my eyes were all sunk in looking.
0: Yeah. Like ah yeah, that's that's why we started talking about DSO in the in the beginning, right? Or is it DSMO? Yep, yeah, yeah. right? D-DMSO. DMSO. DMSO yeah, which right. is which is a wonderful solvent, right?
1: Amazing and and it it the and again this is getting into those understandings is is i can have this really cool medicine and i can want to get it into my body but without this solvent in order to make the bioavail bioavailability so that way it, this transfer can happen it's no good Right. Well, this DMSO really makes that transfer easy and on the unfortunate side, when you have it on board, it makes the transfer of a, num- a number of things easy. So one of the things that you read is, is that like the warnings are in there. Amanda puts it in her book. Like if you've got a shirt, you can't, you got to wait for the DMSO to if you put it on your back or on your skin, don't put your shirt on. Don't wear uh, your skin and wear. You've got to be careful about what kind of gloves you're wearing because it'll take them gloves, break it down, and put it right into your skin. And you will start absorbing the like depending on what kind of gloves. Because some things DMSO won't break down, so you've got to be careful of these things. Right. And I'm and I'm sometimes laxadaisical and I live a very natural life so and I and I get and the forest needed cleared. And a couple guys showed up and I was like, well, shit. Yeah. Let's go clear forest. Like 20 minutes after putting DMSO on. And so the poison Oak had a real nice, easy time getting in and jumped right on board. And I, I got poison Oak like you wouldn't believe.
0: <laughs> so I'm a little hazy this week. No worries, Ben. It you... doesn't show too much and you've definitely shared a lot of interesting stuff with us so far. I'm wondering, you know, on the point of essential oils, Maybe this is just a quick answer here, but if I let's say had like a lavender essential oil, and then I put it on my skin, and then I got in like a, a lavender uh, bath with salts, right? Lavender bath salts mm-hmm. in it. Am mm-hmm. I creating a situation then where there's now maybe an alchemical processes that wouldn't happen if I just had one without the other? Yep, yeah, the two are gonna ha- the two are gonna
1: work real well together. Real well, you know, it's very similar to like a lot of people realize, like if you drink orange juice and eat mushrooms, for some reason, you get much higher. Right. Well, that's because that that orange juice is is opening up the salts where those mushrooms are a very salty thing Mm. and you need that juice to open up that salt. And all of a sudden the whole system works better. Yeah. like as a vegetarian, I have to eat all those fats and oils.
0: Well, and you know, it's so funny you brought that up because you were just talking about how cannabis is so full of oil. Mushrooms is kind of salty, right? I've heard on the flip side mm-hmm. that if you drink orange juice after smoking a bunch of weed, you can actually like come down. Like if you get too high from a edible, people have told me like, oh yeah, just drink a bunch of orange juice. And I'm wondering maybe if that plays into it somehow. Wow. Very yeah, that interesting. That acid that Cause on your positive side is
1: acidic of things. Cause it's, it, there's always this polarity. So like when you're looking at a battery, your pot is, or when you're looking at the earth model, the positive side of things are going to be acidic. And then the negative masculine side is going to be base. The positive side is going to be hot and wet, which wet is high, which wet is hydrogenated. And then base is going to be dry and cold. And not in not hydrogen, not hydrogenated, because hydrogen, actually, when you're looking at pH level, that's actually potential of hydrogen. So if it's hydrogenated, then it's on the acid side, it's full of hydrogen. And if it's on the base side, it's lacking in hydrogen. So then the masculine sides on your base side, on your negative side, and this polarity always has to exist. And that's where you get the most energy out of. And it's just getting a higher understanding of all that. And and some of those higher understandings come from very under, uncomfortable places. Like I actually have to thank you for uh getting making me look at the uh box saga again because some of the things that I I'm picking up with our new understandings of the world and all the things that, you know, cause I'm constantly learning, constantly evolving, you know, trying to constantly work things into their place going through the science of things because that's the thing I can have these great ideas but if I can't root them out and make them work in the world then they're meaningless um and so I'm constantly working on it well then I have to revisit things because depending on what eyes I looked at it with I may have seen it you know different and when I looked at the box saga especially the reproductive cycles of it which are absolutely horrifying to listen to it is, you know if you're not uh homosexual it's 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 horrifying to listen to i mean it's rough stuff okay but then rather than just getting into the details of it and the, the gory part of it if i just take a look at the mechanics of it it's very interesting because and and i'm trying to find it's getting real hard to get some of this stuff because the uh place i first heard the reproductive part because he didn't they don't talk about that part very often because most people don't want to hear it it's 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 rough it was on this paranormal hood paranormal hood something like that podcast i've
0: heard of that show
1: yeah and it's and it was like a four-hour show and like the first two hours were basically like the same as every other show jim chesner did and then after like the second hour like two and a half hours into it, it's like somebody flipped a switch and he started doing all the reproductive <laughs> stuff and it was rough, <laughs> but they, they get to this and but now that's gone is why I was saying that. And that's gone. Jim Chesner's dead. So I can't even talk to him. There's a few interviews that I have. I actually have access to an interview that nobody else even has on one person, the person who did it, but it, it's, it's got pulled off air. They only have it on their local computer and I have it. And they went through a lot of it. Okay. So when you're looking at the bat at the bat world model rather than just the battery where you have just got one anode one cathode, well now we've got a bank, so we've got battery cells and we've got these other luminaries that are in between the anode and the cathode. Now then the way that would work then the way that's going to work is is all metals become silver before they become gold. That's the descention process, and so all these metals as they were descending they also ascend back through that same path. So they all, these luminaries, send their energy to the moon. And the moon's this giant energy receiver. And then the moon does this, you know, basically uh, ejaculation of all this energy into the sun. And so you start looking at that cycle. Well, then the Bach saga, the only people that were allowed to reproduce was the Bach, which is the, the goat, the negative, You know, we all recognize the goat is the negative and the queen, who is the high positive feminine. Now, before the Bach goes and tries to inseminate the queen, this is going to get a little rough. He has, I believe, seven captains. And these seven captains, I'm not, I don't recall exactly if they, he gives them all oral sex until they ejaculate in his mouth or he just, they like do it in their hand and somehow he eats all of their semen. And there's like this ritual where he does that and then he's the only person that's allowed to go procreate with the queen. And so if you take all the real nasty parts out of that, which I was real light about it, I promise guys, it was, had some hard listening. If you take all that nonsense out of it, What you see is, is if you take the Bach and replace that with moon and the queen with the sun, the seven captains is the luminaries in between and they're feeding their energy to the Bach who then feeds that to the queen. I think that this was a twisting of the natural cycle and how that works because there's other components in the Bach saga that are fantastic. But I think yours is really a shit bag, to be honest with you. And I think that the line ended with him because of it. I think that that should have been a prosperous line most likely, but Eeyore was a piece of shit. And I think he added a whole lot of twisting
0: into that story in order to suit his needs. And also to really revolt folks like us who want to get down to the kernel of truth behind the metaphor, as you put, and... To me, when I hear this, it's sounding a lot like what my friend Dave Zed and I looked into when we were looking at hydrogen, because we do a show, which I'd love to have you on sometime called the Elemental Philosopherum, where we take a look at each element. I was listening to it a couple of times. Thank I've you. i enjoying it. I just Thank found you. that the other day. I lo- love it. Love Thank it. you. Thank you. And, and one of the things we talked about when we were talking about hydrogen was how the sun is actually taking these like pure pure forms of you know the purest element is hydrogen it only has one uh, electron right mm-hmm. and it's actually like dragging yeah. it somehow and that is what creates time and there's this kind of crunching effect that happens on the inside of the sun and you know I'm, I'm way out of my element here no pun intended but what i'm gleaming from what you're saying and what i was gleaming from what we were talking about mm-hmm. then was that there is something connecting all of these bodies uh, in space or whatever it is out there, if you're not a glober, and there's an energy that's like literally churning out of them that also then gets projected to the rest of them, which then corresponds in this sort of reflection. And as you're putting it, it's like the sun goes to the moon, the moon's gathering energy from the other luminaries and then passing it all right back to the sun. Am I kind of following or did I miss you? Yeah, no, you're
1: exactly right. Wow. And, and yeah, and and this is, and we're just experiencing all these energy transfers a hundred percent. And that's, that's, that's all that life is. And we know that we know that, that matter is just energy descended. So that means that if we, that, that energy can be free, it can be, it just needs to be broken apart. And that's what happens when you free energy, when you, when you light something on fire, the molecules just become less condensed they just break apart and become individual molecules instead of being a dense descended version of itself it it, it all becomes very very simple and and this is again why i was going with the like it's okay for my me not to have good and evil and i can still have an an extraordinarily spiritual understanding of the creator and i have a very true understanding because i'm it's it based on nature and th- that also gives me a faith that other people don't get because that faith is based on having seen this thing work i know how it works for to, and i think there's an extreme confusion for people on what faith is at all because i because faith is not just blindly taking something in and faith when you have true faith that can't be shaken that's because you know something works that way. Like if I take and I hold out th- this bag of seeds and I let go of it, I know without looking, it's going to drop. I know. I a 100% faith. It's just the way it works. It's been demonstrated. And when I take, uh-huh, I demonstrated a million times, it's just how it works. Right. When I start breaking things down in the lab, I understand how they work. And then that gives me a greater understanding when the more I take in of how the creator put how all of this was put together in the first place. And that gives it, that's makes this whole world perfect and beautiful. I don't like just one side of it. And this is one of the things that I've tried to, I've gotten into these arguments and I tried telling people that this is all, it's the all. The all split and polarized. Your face is frozen. My froze. You're good. You're okay. back now. The, the all split and polarized, but he is, it's still the all. Good, good, good. Okay. So the all split and polarized. It's still the all. It split into a masculine and feminine side, but it's still the all. So when you start saying one side is evil, when you're saying this is the dark side, the shadow side, the negative side, and you start putting this bad connotation onto it, which side of God's the bad side? Which side of the, which side of the all is the bad one? Right. I'd like to know. Right. Because that's what it is. And so that, which isn't to say people don't do shitty things and that shitty things don't happen that you don't like. That's, I'm not saying that. And they're trying to create the world that they want. That doesn't necessarily make them evil. They want that world that's going to make them and theirs happy. You want a world that's going to make you and yours happy. They don't want that world. So this is just a polarization once again. And what we need to do is is put energy into our side of it. And people need to start actually putting the root power into it. Because they do build and create what they want. They do put that root into it and make it happen. They don't just sit around and have dreamy ideas. And that's the thing that they did in the 70s is they took things and with the, especially with the, where they really pushed the, the drug movement. And that's where it really went sideways is, is people stopped doing things. They just turned it into just sitting around getting high and having high ideas. And, and that's, that's just worthless. If you aren't actually putting uh, the pedal to the metal, nothing's happening.
0: Right. And I, I'm glad you're sharing that message. It's a message I need to hear more often. And, you know, it's a big reason why I stopped engaging with, you know, unfortunately the friends I had because they were just, you know, smoking pot and playing video games. And I'm like, you know, if I do this podcasting thing, I could still smoke pot, but I gotta, I gotta do something. And I'll tell you what folks, you listen to the show, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, it's not just sitting here, hitting record and then publishing it. You know, I like to, to edit it and make it all sound nice and, and do all the things. And there's so much more, as you know, you have your own show. So it's, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into this stuff. So I like to think that I'm channeling that energy into this now, I hope, but, when it goes back to, you know, what you're saying about they're not being good and evil, and we need to be able to examine things. I I'm glad, you know, if, if even a little bit, I was able to encourage you to go back and relook at the box saga, because. With that mindset really as revolting as it is. And I agree with you, you know, as someone who isn't a homosexual, you don't really want to hear that kind of stuff in that graphic detail. Not that it shouldn't exist. We're not saying those people can't do that in the privacy of their own homes, but God forbid, it doesn't need to be wrapped into this mythology. So it's almost it from my conspiratorial mind. It almost makes me question Eeyore Bach and what his, I mean, obviously culty kind of maybe perverted Mm -hmm. motivations were, but you know, it's a real shame that this line of people ended with him and all that knowledge kind of got twisted. And if you look at that as an example in the more recent past, you can just only imagine how many times that has happened over and over and over again, where this ancient knowledge that was once, you know, maybe pre-flood connecting us to that gets perverted by folks who just lose, you know, grips with reality for whatever reason or whoever, you know, whatever it is. But what else did you find when you were re-examining the Bach saga? Cause we did talk a little bit about that our first time. And then I had two friends on the show, Andy and Dan Danunaki, who do a show called Roots of Creation uh, on the show. And they kind of explained to me some things about the Bach saga and they're friends with guys who are like in Europe and like, you know, know the story a little bit from that perspective. So I'm curious to know what else you found.
1: Well, it's also very interesting because, and this is interesting because for whatever reason, they start, they throw it, try to throw in a lot of newer science into it. And I'm guessing again, this was Eeyore box uh, doing, and, at, and then some of the things that he says at the same time, you're like, well, how can't really hold both things at the same time. But he talks about, there used to be a time when the entire world was tropical. And and this is absolutely fascinating. And then the world tilted. Now, if a ball tilts, I'm not sure why that would make any difference on, on the world, you know, things being 24 hour sun and being tropical because a ball, it's still going to kind of be a ball. It's still going to, unless it moved away or closer, it's not going to change. Just the, a ball can't tilt. You can't tell when a ball tilts. It's stupid. But now if it was, a, if we're on the, the flat plane, like he should have thought like Odinus understand if that tilts, that is going to change the way things sit in comparison. And that would change things. So, and if you understand, and then understanding that we live in a cosmic egg and we're in the center of the egg. And so everything below us is going to be, is going to be more magnetic and everything above us is going to be more electric. Now in between, we have this crystal bridge. Now, if you investigate this thing called quantum locking, you understand that we could be on a plane and that a is just floating above the magnetic field but that's we've got this giant conductor that's all inside of all inside there well when you put a superconductor over a magnetic field you can lock it in place you can do all kinds of different little tricks that don't make any sense in any way shape or form except for that it's called quantum locking and it's, it's just this catch between the the magnetic field and the conductive in this superconductor which includes the the superconductor has to be frozen down super cold
0: see now and and what you're saying is exactly why i am open to flat earth because i feel like flat earth the model itself and then globe earth the model are two diversions away from the truth that's in the middle and it feels like they exactly they inverted that cosmic egg so that we're on the cosmic egg and then everything outside of it, which is abyss is now immediately right there in our face, which I don't feel like that is the truth unless they've really been, you know, blowing up our, uh, cosmic egg with these hydrogen bombs and destroying the atmosphere. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that? And, and like the model of the, the earth. Cause I feel like you're getting Uh, towards that. And I really want to, I want to understand this more fully so I can, I don't know, identify this way because people, they're so torn between flat earth and globe. It's such a hot, you know, touchy subject in this community.
1: Yep. And, and, and honestly, so from my perspective, we live on a plane and everything below, below us is too dense for us. We, things can still move around in that plane things. There's still energies that move around and dance around, do things. It's just not us. There's things above us. Where's it? We can see it. There's a plane above us and it's too, it's too etheric for us. We can't exist in that plane. There still are things that can exist in that plane. There's life forms that hang out up there and never come down and, and we can see them. We understand some of them. Uh We require this middle plane so even as a even even as a what you would call a flat earther to me the earth isn't flat at all and it's just this complete basic misunderstanding we've got the dome above us and then but it's not flat right here we've got a whole bunch below us so we live in an egg and we're in the dead center of the egg and these two thoughts don't. And, and honestly, then you take and you look at the sacred geometry. We live in the Vesca Pisces. The Vesca Pisces is basically an egg. So we just live in a Vesca Pisces. It's the same concept. And in one world, and as a heathen, that's creation. Before creation, there was three things. There was Niflheim, the world of ice, where things were too cold to move and frozen. The world of Muspelheim where everything was fire and nothing could grow in root because everything was ever-changing fire. Then there was Ganunga Gap, the great yawning chasm, the All-Mother. She takes the two sides of the All-Father, the material sides, and she pulls them together, which is a destruction of both of those things and a creation of a new thing. So whenever you're looking at these older cosmologies that's why the feminine is always that position and she's always the creator and the destroyer she gives life and she takes life and because that's that action that's happening so that feminine pulled those two sides of the masculine together and now we live in the vesca pisces in between because everything in time is too fiery for us to understand and live in and everything in niflheim is too cold and dense for us to understand and live in and in the middle is where we can operate That's where we live, and that's what we're representing in this world. Uh, Is and it's not a it's not a hard concept. And then when you start taking things and understanding things like the Pacific Ocean, when you look at a take a take a globe and look at the Pacific Ocean, and you notice that that's basically half the fucking globe. And then you take into account that if you if you over a body of water shoot a laser. You know, we've got friends that have done it and shot a laser over water. It goes forever. As far as equipment can understand and detect, that laser shoots straight and it'll hit a target straight as an arrow. It's perfectly level. You aren't getting this curvature that they give us the model for, which is what, eight inches per mile squared or something like that, exponential. So like by the second mile, like the Empire State Building should be dropped off you know, below your visual site or third or whatever. I, I'm not, I don't, this isn't my particular field, but there's lighthouses that, that are well known. And this is documented government documents that need to be known because these boats out in the ocean need to know when they can see this lighthouse and what it means and how many miles away they see these things. And it goes beyond the curvature model. A right. lot far beyond it. Well, then you take the Pacific ocean to account. How can half the world be perfectly level and the thing be a ball? It, it doesn't even make any damn sense, right? I, it, the, it,
0: it just, the whole thing just, is just weird. And, and then you even look at spend- flight radar too, and you see the anomalies with flight radar and I've met pilots who, you know, swear that the earth is flat because you know, they learn very similar things as you're describing in the, you know, naval field as they do when you become a pilot. And if you look on flightradar.com, it's a live flight radar for all, you know, public commercial air flight. And you can see that no planes go directly across the Pacific Ocean. And curiously, no planes ever go directly from South America to South Africa. You know, if if we're looking at the globe model it would seem like a no-brainer that they would just go directly across the atlantic ocean in that instance and then in the other instance where they don't go across the pacific you know these flights from china to california they're going along all the way up towards what we are told is the north pole right and then down the coast past alaska down canada which to me if the you know if the worry about you know like resources right you're wasting more gas and they say it's safer to you know crash land on land than it is in the water i don't know about that either remember the big you know hullabaloo in the hudson river those guys all were saved because they landed in the water so i don't know exactly and then and then why would you fly to where things are colder because cold
1: doesn't do well the metal Right. It doesn't. When it becomes colder, it becomes brittle, right? Right. I actually was in Minneapolis International Airport. I see, I was probably like 10. So this would been like 1985. It was like negative 170 with wind chill, and pieces were falling, breaking and falling off of planes. They shut down Minneapolis International Airport for a week. And we had to take a bus out of there. And it was hilarious because the bus that came and took us, I was like 10, and my brother was like five. And uh, it was so cold out that the hinges on the bus window, it had one of these, it had, uh, as a Greyhound. So, you know, it was like one window set. The metal on the outside, the hinge wind, it snapped and the whole window broke out and flew off the bus. And then we got stuck for a day in some little podunk town. Oh, man. Um, yeah. And there was no hotel, so everybody on the bus is just sitting at the cafe in like an emergency situation, sitting at the cafe. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But yeah, why would you go to somewhere colder? And I would absolutely love to go on that other show and have some chats with you. That's real interesting what you said about hydrogen creating time. with the, Because when you look at the way hydrogen burns off, it doesn't burn off like a lot of things where it expands up and out. As it, hydrogen burns off, it actually comes down into a comb. It sucks oh, no. in on itself. Yeah, really fucking interesting.
0: Yeah, that's um, almost like, it makes me think of like wormhole, uh, you know, portal type physics almost. But I know we're getting towards the end here and we've gone all over the place, kind of talking about the model and, and space and whatnot, but how do you reckon, you know, the, cause I, I, I don't really buy into the models and I definitely don't buy into the NASA photos and all that but like yeah. how do you reckon you know the other planets in their relation to us given this egg model well they're they're inside the dome mm.
1: um so and that they aren't the only one that you can look at and see as a solid object is the is the moon you know everything else is like Karen B says it's like a flashlight you know it's like somebody's shining a flashlight at you you can't really tell what it is it's a light so as an alchemist each of these luminaries is a metal and so what this is is just particles of those metals all pulled together in one spot and that's where that energy is sitting and these things are interacting with each other and moving in and out now the and passing energy to each other now the reason that the moon takes on a solidity is because in particular the moon is silver now the, the sun is gold the moon is silver mars is iron venus is copper uh mercury is mercury so on and so forth so now with silver when silver particles soak in radiation what happens is is that radiation actually makes bonds in between the silver particles and starts looking like silver itself so it fills in that space of just pure radiation and then the silver will let it back out as a luminescence uh, And so silver is very photosensitive, very, very sensitive to radiation and light is part of why it's used in cameras so much. And in uh, your uh, photovoltaic cells, your solar panels, things like that. Crazy, crazy. It soaks in things, soaks in radiation and energy. And then it forms these bonds. And then when it releases that energy, that energy is released as a luminescence, which is a cold light. And it's its own light, but it's a breaking apart of those bonds. So what you have then, that's why the moon goes through that cycle of it, is, is that it, the moon only catches that radiation from those planets. So as these planets are moving with each other, or luminaries, or whatever you want to call them, everybody gets butthurt when I say planets. It's freaking, I don't really care. As these luminaries, as these balls, as these spheres of metal, or whatever the fuck they are. God move amongst each other that this passing of energy is happening and so the moon depletes that energy into the sun right and so then once the moon depletes that it, it loses those bonds and becomes more just particles and you lose that solidity of the moon and a lot of people report that the empty moon the dark moon is is translucent you can see things through it see lights behind it through it sometimes where the moon should be and things like that um where it's got this more translucent it's not really transparent you can't perfectly see through it but you can kind of see through it because well, those particles aren't bonded together anymore and they aren't bound together and once they soak in that energy again you're going to see it start bonding together and getting full and full and full and it's going to get more solid more solid until it's a completely full moon and then it's gonna go ahead and shoot that energy out and release that to the sun and
0: so that way the sun has the energy to do what it needs to do right hence the feminine sun and the masculine moon as we talked about the first time you're here well benjamin this has been fun, man. I know you got a lot going on over there. We've heard many different animals during this conversation. Crows, <laughs> Cryos, oh, pooches, eyes. cats even appear- made an appearance. And I saw a dog in the window behind you run by a little white dog. I don't know if you yeah. got a puppy out there, but <laughs> that, that was <laughs> yeah, fun too. Yeah, yeah. But clearly you got a lot going on and you got to worry about those bobcats, which I think, you know, you should be good for a few hours, maybe uh, towards sunset. You'll have to.
1: Yeah, that's that's the worst part is, is that while the bobcats are only a little bit crepuscular, I can't stand crepuscular animals. They're just drive a person nuts. I honestly. So when you're looking at the Earth model, just give me one second. Oh, yeah. Um, I I want to hear this. the the you also, in these polarities, you have dark and light. And the thing is, is when you're setting up a battery, you need to have a a kind of a buffer between them. You need to have a, and and it can be partially porous disc, but there's this buffer. And so we have that twilight period in between day and night where things are just weird and and nothing really seems sees very well nothing wants to move everything you know it's just not good and them big cats are like the only things that really want to fuck around during them twilight time periods where where it's not really night and it's not really day it's not really warm it's not really cold you know it's it's this weird in
0: between Yes. yes I've yeah. seen a lot of coyotes and foxes at this point in the day, too, uh, recently. Yeah, that crepuscular and them them
1: nasty hunters, they're always crepuscular, and that drives a person nuts. And, <laughs> yeah,
0: so daylight, not so much. <laughs> right on. Well, yeah, you definitely got to keep up with them. And keeping up with the show, I love it. Tell them where to find it. You're on Rockfin, oh, too, now, know. right? Oh, yeah. Right oh, yeah. Yeah. on. I am in
1: Rockfin. Absolutely love rock fan. I get, I get beat up by YouTube. Uh, I, I literally, you know, a, a lot of people don't even believe it, but there's, I can sit there and watch my sub counts. Like last week we had Amanda Bomer and Clive DeCarl on at the same time. It was epic. And I could literally see my sub count go up and down throughout the day, you know, like three, four five subs. And then after like four days, I was at a, like a negative two subs, <laughs> you know, it's a, it, people don't realize how bad YouTube beats us up. But in the games that they play. But yeah, I'm on uh, Benjamin Balderson. It's Odin's Alchemy on Rockfin. Also on YouTube, but we don't put the whole show on YouTube. We just put bits and clips on there. But part of that is because straight out YouTube just is going to pull half of the things we're going to say. So what's the point to even doing it? Right. So yeah, Rockfin's our main platform. Jared's working on some other platforms. I'm so, I'm such a, I'm so horrible about that stuff. I, I don't even understand what he's talking about. I, I actually just got on Telegram. So we're on Telegram also. Right. I just, and like three days ago, I figured out how to, how to actually use it and send a message and then everybody's <laughs> laughing at me. I'm like, I, I can build a farm. I can, I can wire everything. I can plummet, do all those things, run a laboratory. And then I get on a computer
0: and I'm like, <laughs> this is why we need you on the computer ben because so many of us are like me and want to learn from your experience so yeah i'm keeping up with the show and i'm happy you're on rockfin we're there too and telegram i gotta find you on telegram because we got a, a a nice community there as well but uh ben this has been fun man as usual and we'll talk soon i'm sure the listeners will follow up with you on rockfin and youtube I have the same problems on YouTube. We don't really have nearly as much of a following, but I had a big YouTuber on my show, Donut, shout out to him. And I saw my subscribers go up. And then as like the past few days, I've seen it trickle down and I'm like, what is going on? I've had a few videos striked, but those were, you know, Titled with the word QAnon in it, so what did I expect? (laughs) But, but yeah. So we all have our issues with that. Who goes in and unsubs?
1: Right. Who who goes through that? You just you just quit watching. You just quit watching. You don't go unsub. That's 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 people don't put in that kind of effort. Right. You know that that kind of that number
0: of people didn't do it. You're like, yeah, whatever. That's the algorithm. The algorithm. Mm. Well, folks, all the more reason to support us on places like Rockfin and the podcast apps. I know Ben, maybe you'll be on there with your own show soon, but you could just search Ben's name, and I'm sure you'll find a bunch of episodes. Uh, you've done plenty of podcast appearances at this point, but Absolutely. thank you so much, folks, Absolutely. and thank you, Ben, for being here. Thank you for listening, and have a great moment. Wherever you- all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sticking with us here, and what a great conversation, the second conversation I've had with Benjamin Balderson here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to that first conversation we had, and yeah, today we got into uh, a lot of technical stuff, uh, all sorts of alchemical, practical, good Knowledge that we can use on a metaphorical level to understand the world around us So many new patrons have joined us since the last time I've recorded one of these outros so I just want to thank all of you real quickly and Don you with your? customary at this point spirit animal name because as supporters of this show You're all my spirit animals so First up, we have Aaron Levine. Oh, shoot. First up, we have Aaron L. Or A.A. Ron. Shout out to you. You are the great mysterious fish. You got the fish animal card and the great mystery card, which represents the original source of life. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the Best Friend Book Club. Shout out to you. You will be receiving a book at the end of the month. Next up, we have Micah. Shout out to Micah. He has been really active in the Telegram. I am glad he is there, getting to know everybody. If you are a part of the Patreon already and you're not in the patrons-only Telegram, please do sign up and... Join in there. The Telegram link is on our Patreon page somewhere, or you can just hit me up in the regular My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Telegram chat and ask for the link, and I will invite you. So, Micah. Micah LaCroix, I will say your full name because you are on the Telegram with your full name. So, brother, you are the powerful octopus. You got the octopus card, And you have the Hour of Power card, which represents joy or the ritual of daily joy and being joyful. All right. Next up is Mike. Mike, you got an interesting group of cards here. We got the Lamb card, and then you got the Shaman's Death card, which represents death and rebirth. So I'm going to call you the shaman's lamb. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Hit me up, Mike. If you want a new spirit animal name, you wouldn't be the first person. Next up, we have Jeff. Shout out to Jeff. Thank you for joining us here. And Jeff is... All right. Jeff is the elk. And you got the storytelling card. So you are our storytelling elk. Shout out to you, Jeff. Thank you for joining us here on the Patreon. Next up, we have Gabriel G., another member of the Best Friend Book Club. You will be receiving a book at the end of the month. All right. Now this this one is an interesting one. You got the Eastern Shield card, which represents illumination and clarity and you also got the rabbit card so you are the illuminated rabbit shout out to you gabriel thank you for being here all right interesting to note that the rabbit is historically connected to the moon so maybe that represents full moon energy there's a lot of ways you can read into this stuff all right next up we have jared Jared signed up recently for the Inner Circle. Shout out to you, brother. And you are the Stoned Phoenix. Rock on. That's a badass spirit animal name. You got the Stone People card, which represents records and knowing revealed. And you got the Phoenix card. All right, we got two more, folks. Stick with me. I promise there'll be more stuff than just this. Next up, we have... J.K. J.K. Uh, J, his spirit animal name is the fire spider. You got the council fire card, which represents decisions, and you got the spider card. And then last but not least, we have the brother from another mother who is. Three, one of three parts on the new show that I'm doing titled Illuminati Confirmed. That's right, Juan. Shout out to Juan. He just set up his own Patreon today for his show. So if you like what we're doing with Illuminati Confirmed, sign up for Juan's Patreon or mine. And uh, yeah, we're going to be putting some content out maybe through that. Uh, but I know Juan has a Patreon now. So go show Juan some love. He needs it, because his spirit animal name is the Sweat Lodge Snake. Shout out to you, Juan. The Sweat Lodge card represents purification, and the snake card represents a whole lot. But you could find that if you search Snake Spirit Animal on DuckDuckGo, which I encourage anyone who received a name here today to do that. Uh, Like I said, I haven't recorded an outro in a while, so this is kind of a longer spirit animal naming session, but thank you so much. I appreciate all of you. You guys all rock. And uh, like I said, we have a patrons-only telegram. Well, I'll wait here, and when you find out, send me a telegram. That's right. Send me a telegram, folks. I am in the telegram chats every day. We even have telegram chats for Broken Simulation, Cash Daddies, Zero, uh, Tinfoil Hat, If you're a fan of this show and those shows, be sure to sign up for those telegrams as well. A lot going on on telegram. I talk about that way too much because something that I want to encourage everyone to do. We've had some support this way with the merch. That's right. We got a bunch of interesting new designs. Most of them I've made myself uh, that are available to purchase on a t-shirt on teespring so go into the episode description and check out that link and uh yeah that's about it i don't want to talk too much about ads and whatnot we have uh we're promoting the show but if you're listening this long i think you can stomach it we also have a, a flat earth sponsor which is interesting because we talked about that today on the show. Uh, Shout out to Truth Smacks, the only granola or trail mix for those hiking the flat earth, or at least that's what I like to say. Uh, You can go to www.truthsmacks.com and check out some awesome varieties of trail mix. Uh, They sent me a box. I love it. It tastes great. I hope they send me another one. And they are the sponsor for the month of February We've had interesting sponsors in the past I think this is my favorite sponsor No offense to the ladies Shout out to producer Kev I appreciate you sponsoring us But Truth Max is badass They sent me a box of granola and uh, And I chomped away at it And I didn't even do any promo videos with it Because I just ate it all I don't know I think they need to send me another box. But anyways, they've got amazing stuff. And on every bag, there's a dozen quotes, not only just information about the flat earth, but just the the kind of quotes from people that are noteworthy and recognizable that would possibly wake up the average person. You know, they see a guy like Mark Twain, and they didn't realize that he has a quote That goes a little something like this. Whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it is time to pause and reflect. Look at that. Or a quote from Joseph Goebbels. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. How about this quote from the Truman Show? We accept the reality of the world with which we are presented. It is as simple as that. Or even this quote. From Winston Churchill. The truth is incontrovertible. Malice may attack it. Ignorance may deride it. But in the end, there it is. So, needless to say, this trail mix is a surefire way to fill up, refuel, and maybe even awaken your friends or family members if you decide to gift Truth Smacks, that's what I would do. If you're on the, you know, on the fence about some of these things, and then you get a nice heaping helping of TruthSmacks, how could you not take that leap and come over here in the shameless world that is the crazy practical lunacy that we're talking about here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast? I mean... It really isn't all that out there. Once you really start to wrap your mind around some of these concepts, you realize that this is the stuff they've been hiding from us. This is the stuff they don't want us to know. Because when we understand concepts like the shape of the earth or what we really are living inside of, you know, maybe even what happens to us after we die when we really understand or have answers or at least suspicions about those things, it gives us a power, you know, it gives us this power that the elite or whoever it is at the top that are controlling us just don't want us to have. Right? So that's why one of the many things I hope to do with this show is fill up that toolkit of yours, that tool belt, With some handy tools you can use if you're ever, you know, on the wrong side of an argument. If your family thinks you're crazy about chemtrails, well, maybe you listen to enough podcasts to, I don't know, make a good case. Or at least seem a little less crazy. Or, what I've come to realize, this is something that a lot of guests have said, here on the show is, uh, you know, you start to just not care what other people think and you realize that you're much better off leading by example and not wasting your energy on those who don't deserve it. And that can be tough to come to terms with when those people are your own family members and it's something as severe as, you know, experimental medicine, you know, something that violates the Nuremberg trials Yet they'll call you a Nazi for questioning it. Pretty bananas. Which is why I'd like to, you know, going back to our guest, lead a life very similar to Benjamin's. I mean, the guy has a lot going on, and he is certainly someone to look up to. He's got his own property, he's got a family. He's got plants, he's got livestock, animals, you know, he's self-sufficient and at that he's getting in touch with the creator through alchemy, something that I've been aware of for a while and I always thought the practical side of it was just kind of foolish, but clearly Benjamin knows what he's talking about and (laughs) I definitely can't say that anymore. I am interested in in that kind of lab work obviously that kind of thing isn't easy like benjamin said it's not something that anyone can just get into uh take some finances but yeah it's interesting stuff it brings to mind what roman was talking about from the rising from the ashes podcast homie Romy, when he was here last week talking about his herbal concoctions, his herbal mixtures that he's gonna to put together for different smoking blends, that's alchemy too, you know, albeit a more rudimentary form of it. Uh, it's really cool to see Benjamin Balderson doing what he's doing at a advanced level, but still not, you know, in a major lab. He's doing it all on a farm. It's pretty badass, if you ask me, and if you. Our patron listener, then you heard the beginning where he was talking about a bobcat that was attacking his chickens and and we were just kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. So I decided to cut that part out. So if you want to hear the full, full, full conversation, at least the first 10 minutes, uh, sign up for the Patreon where I never cut things out. I think you guys should get the whole package uh no matter what we talk about some things are just you know too personal i guess we're talking about things going on on his farm so i'll leave it at that but big shout out to benjamin be sure to follow him at odin's alchemy on rockfin or youtube and now on alt media united they've got a podcast where they'll be putting the audio versions of Odin, the audio versions of odin's alchemy Out on an RSS feed, which you can find on altmediaunited.com. The links are, as always, in the description. And, uh, yeah, shout out to everyone listening to the show. We've got some nice reviews lately. We're in the top 50 philosophy podcasts in the United States. Thank you so much for helping us get there. Uh, We were in the top 30 uh, a week or two ago. Uh, But either way, so stoked to be in the top 50. Thank you all so much. Uh, And we have a review. I love this podcast, five stars. Your show has changed my life. I have chronic pain, and you have helped go figure out ways to get through. Been doing lots of meditation. Shout out to you, Micah1, L-A-B, Micah Labby. Labby. And a second review from Mid-North, out in Australia, Thank you from Australia. Five stars. Great work, Mark, from T. Mall, the Kelpie and Sam T. Border Collie X. Thank you. Glad you enjoy the show. Shout out to all our listeners in Australia. I hope you guys fight the power and resist those mandates, resist those lockdowns, and get your country back. Hope to make it down there one day. Down under. Anyways that about does it for this extended outro be sure to stay tuned for this week's second episode with my buddy james from we the people all right thank you so much for being here and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now peace